Good morning, church family and ministry friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online internet around the world church service. And I'm so glad that you are here today and God's going to bless you really, really good. Now, first of all today, let's receive the tithes. Let's bring them into the storehouse of the Lord. Let me read a scripture to you that I know will be beneficial to your spiritual and financial walk. This is Luke chapter 16. These are the words of Jesus. And verse 10, Jesus said, He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. This is very, very interesting. The Lord wants you to have order established in your life. In other words, we need to be faithful over what is our current assignment. And if that assignment includes you walking by the hallway or walking through the hallway of your home and you notice a light is out like a light bulb, then re replace it. Praise the Lord. Fix it. If the smoke alarm is flashing and that means it's, the battery is about dead, well, don't wait till it starts blaring real loud in the middle of the night. Just go ahead and replace that and get a new battery, or sometimes now they don't even have batteries, just replace the whole thing. Don't let things hang around your house, hang around what is under your authority uh, in, a, in a condition where it remains broken. Fix everything that's messed up. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. This is a good attitude to have. Have you ever seen the type of person that they have one car, but maybe they like cars, but they have one car and it's not well taken care of. It's quite broken down and doesn't run good. But instead of fixing that car up so that it's reliable and trustworthy, they go out and get another car. And so now they've got two cars. Now both of them don't run good. Both of the vehicles are, um, you know, like uh, not operating the way that they should. What's going on here? Well, Things are being placed in a position that is out of order, and we're not showing faithfulness in the current condition in which we are in. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. Now, we want to be faithful in our tithing. Let's say that you make $7,000 a month. The tithe, which is 10% of all of our income, the tithe is $700. If you make $10,000 a month, the tithe is $1,000. Somebody might say, Pastor Stephen, I make $1,000 a month. The tithe is $100. The tithe simply means 10% of all of your increase, 10% of all of your income. If you have a garage sale and you sell $200 worth of stuff that just wanted to unload or get rid of, and somebody came along and bought it, then $20 goes to the Lord as the tithe. And see, here's the thing, right where you're at right now, if you're not a gracious giver, when you have little, let's say you're in a place you have little, but you're not a gracious giver when you have little, then you're only fooling yourself. If you think you'll start giving when somehow you eventually come into a lot. Now, this is something I have seen across the body of Christ where somehow believers think that although they give very, very little, that somehow when they get a lot of money, suddenly they're going to start giving large amounts of money. 
And I'm not saying that the proportion needs to change, but for those that say, well, I have a lot, then I'll give her a lot. Well, they aren't doing anything in a sense, like almost like, and if they do do something, maybe like a, you know, say like $5 or something like that, they think that they like tipped God. But when you don't have a lot of resources, when you don't have a lot of money, of course you can't give big, but you can still give. And that's where many miss it. They think, well, I'll just wait until I hit the, the lottery or win the jackpot or maybe old uncle so-and-so will finally die and leave me some money. Well, if things keep going the way they're going, old uncle so-and-so, maybe he'll live to be 120 and uh, you'll have to reconsider uh, where all of this extra is going to come from. The thing is, is that we can be faithful right now, right where we're at with the tithe. Woo, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Tithing is financial faithfulness that positions you for further increase. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. Praise God. So if you're faithful with what you have right now, by tithing on the income you have right now, then you are showing good stewardship and you are positioning yourself for the greater levels of increase that God wants to bring you into. Praise the Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, I believe that we should be faithful right where we're at. I believe that we should conquer our current world, not some future world that we're not in yet. Not some future world when uh, maybe there is lavish overflow, okay? And may that come. But the thing is, is if you're not active in kingdom principles, and I'm not teaching this as a church doctrine. I'm teaching this more as spiritual laws. This is all covenant-based. And when you begin to see it as a covenant, that will help you to understand why it works and why you need to engage the covenant now so that you do have a future. <laughs> Here's what I've noticed. Now tell me if you've seen the same thing. Many of those, and I'm talking about those in the church, they're always waiting for their ship to come in. And they have like a hope that one day their financial ship is going to come in. And when it does, then they will bless the kingdom of God. But here's the whole problem. They're not givers right now. They're not gracious givers right now. They're not generous givers right now. Their whole thinking is messed up. Why? Because it doesn't work like that. You have to work God's covenant, which is based out of love, which is based on faith, where you begin to interact with covenant principles, and that's what secures your lifting. It takes out this element of hope that's not genuine. Look, I, you know, many of you have heard my testimony years back, over 30 years ago. I went through a homeless period in my life. And uh, I remember one time when I was staying at the homeless shelter, eventually moved into a homeless shelter for men that didn't have a place to live. You'd be shocked at some of the guys I met in there. Um, the guy that slept next to me, because at night you all come in to a big room and they got like 300 guys all sleeping on cots, like 300 cots. Now during the morning, you got to go out and leave for the day and try to find work or whatever the case might be. But in the, but at night y'all go to the big place, you lay down in your little cot and go to sleep. And, uh, you, it's quite interesting talking to who's next to you and who's around you and stuff like that. The guy that slept next to me was a former offensive lineman for the Washington Redskins NFL football team. And, you know, a lot of times if you're homeless and you're on the street, you know, you're maybe afraid of what somebody could do to you. 
<laughs> this guy was like, he knew nobody was going to mess with him. He was still over 300 pounds, still a huge, strong, powerful man, but had fallen on hard times through some poor decisions. And then, you know, we're all in this boat together of trying to find our way out. Now, God got me out because I put my eyes on him, began to work his word, and it began to work in me and lifted me up and out of the situation I was in. But here's what I heard every night, laying on that cot with others around me who were also homeless. Here's what I heard every night, and sometimes I think I still hear it in the church. Every night, this is what I heard. The big guy, the former NFL football player, would say to his little buddy, he, that was his little sidekick, uh, he'd, uh, they would hold their lottery tickets in their hand because each day they would uh, go out and, and gather up aluminum uh, soft drink cans. They would turn those in and only get a couple dollars. Then they would use those few dollars and go buy lottery tickets with it. And so uh, every night before going to sleep, I could hear them talking to, the, to each other. And the big guy would say to the small guy, I tell you what, we've got the winning ticket this time. Tomorrow, our whole life could change. I believe tomorrow we're going to be millionaires. And the other guy, he was all hopeful. Remember, this is natural hope. This is not the hope that God gives. It's supernatural because that has to be faith-based. But this natural hope. And the other young guy would say, oh, yeah, tomorrow's going to be our day. We're going to win it tomorrow, aren't we? And they all go to sleep excited, uh, yeah, hoping that they're going to win the lottery. And they never did. As long as I was there, they never did. And the truth is, even if they ever did, they wouldn't know what to do with it. Why? They don't have proven stewardship. So they would go out and lose it, burn through it, which is what the majority of those do who have those type of events befall them. Wow, wow, wow. Conquer your current world. Engage in God's covenant system and get off the schemes and gimmicks and the, the dangling carrot that the world system holds out there to take money out of your pocket for foolish, foolish uh, endeavors. Wow. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Mm -mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know what? I, I believe also that tithing secures longevity. I know that we see that in Malachi chapter 3, but there are so many covenant blessings of tithing along with your financial list, uh, lifting. But listen to this. Abraham was a tither and he lived to be 175. That's why some of you right now need to start tithing. <laughs> he lived to be 175. Isaac lived to be 180. Jacob also talked about uh, his vow of, of giving the tithe. He lived to be 147. America's first billionaire, John D. Rockefeller, he was facing death as he approached his 52nd birthday. Matter of fact, a doctor told him, you'll never see number 52. And, uh, you have to understand that although history has painted Mr. Rockefeller in a very negative light, he was actually a very, very uh, devout Christian man. And the first paycheck he ever had as a child, he was a tither, and he tithed on everything. And so at the uh, approaching the age of 52, when it looked like he was going to die, because he was a covenant man, a tither, God gave him new health, and he lived for 41 more years and died at the ripe old age of 93. Praise God. That's, again, why many of you need to begin to tithe so you can live your life out and not have the devil come in there with legal reason to exempt all that God has for you, much less the time that you're supposed to be here. 
Well, anyhow, Mr. Rockefeller lived to be 93. He was America's first billionaire. And many people don't know this, but he was a devout Baptist evangelical Christian. Praise the Lord. Now, uh, there's been some very bad things said about Mr. Uh, John D. Rockefeller. And, and in some areas, we can certainly see that he wasn't perfect. One of the things that was said about him was that he supposedly destroyed small companies by buying them all out. And the truth is that, yes, he bought them all out. You know what the truth actually was, though? All of these little bitty oil companies that he bought out, that he bought out almost all of them uh, were mismanaging their money. They did not properly know how to run a business. Their little businesses were sloppily run. And for many of them, they were actually on the verge of going out of business. So he came in and said, look, I'll give you top dollar for your business, and he would buy them out, buy them out. The truth is, is he actually rescued many of those small business owners, and then their top workers, he brought them on to his own uh, company, which was known as Standard Oil. Another accusation was that he formed a monopoly on oil. Now, here's the catch with the monopoly. Sometimes a tycoon or somebody that would uh, corner the market, they would want to form a monopoly with the purpose of what? Driving the product price way up. We see that all the time in the pharmaceutical industry. Uh, but what Mr. Rockefeller did is, in a sense, he formed a monopoly and he drove the price down. See, they don't teach you that stuff in history anymore. He actually drove the price of oil down so far that for the first time in history, Americans said, hey, let's put these silly candles away and let, we've got some oil that we can burn and we don't have to sit around here making wax candles anymore to light things up at night. And then people thought, hey, I can go out and get a Model T because I can afford oil because gas is so cheap. Wow. So it was amazing what he did. One final thing said about him was that he was unfair because he negotiated for special rates with the railroads. But my friends, that's no more than a biblical principle of buy in quantity so that you can get something at a lower price. Who would not, as a good businessman, negotiate for something like that? In other words, he's telling the railroads, look, I can give you millions and millions of dollars of profit if you will lower your rate for me because I'm going to give you the bulk of the work. And they did. There's nothing wrong with that. Matter of fact, that's why many of you go to Sam's Club. Why? Because it's a buy-in-bulk type warehouse. And you walk in the Sam's Club and you see, you see a whole row of televisions. You think, Pastor Stephen, how come they have so many te televisions here? So you can buy one. Because when they carry them in bulk like that, and they've got 400 of them in stock, you're going to probably buy one because the price drops. And, and I talked to my brother sometime back, and he walked out of Sam's Club with a brand new television for every single room. <laughs> <laughs> Praise the Lord. I think what we could say about Mr. Rockefeller would be found in verse 8. So the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. So in his generation, Mr. Rockefeller, uh, he didn't let any of the sons of, this gener of that generation of the wicked ones outdo him. He was a very, very sharp man, and he was devout Baptist. Matter of fact, when newspapers try to ring up dirt on him and try to find ways to like find fault with him, seemed like all they ever found him was in church on Sunday. 
helping with Bible studies and you is using the vast amount. Are you ready for this? Using the vast amount of his wealth for missions to send the gospel all over the world. Mm, some of you, the gears are, turkey, uh, are, are turning. This is why you need to be faithful right where you're at. Start tithing right where you're at. You engage in the covenant. Dismiss all of this um, silly stuff of uh, it's really anchored in covetousness. Even Mr. Rockefeller said, if you want to get rich just for the sake of getting rich, he said, it'll, it'll never happen. It doesn't work like that. Mm, Praise God. All right. We're going to now receive the tithes into the storehouse of the Lord. And if you've never been a tither, it's time to get, I wouldn't call it the tithing ship. I'd call it the covenant obedience ship. We are practitioners of the covenant and the covenant is superior to all of the economic cycles that would uh, bust and uh, pressure and struggle that are in the earth. Amen. Get on God's kingdom system. We're going to bring the tithe into the storehouse of the Lord. We're also continuing to prepare for the Feast of Tabernacles offering. October 1st, 2023. On that day or before that day, I want you to get your, fe- your, your special Feast of Tabernacle offering in. And I would like for you to do something very special. The giving that will come in for the Feast of Tabernacles will go to paying off the remaining debt owed on the 14.5 acre field of dreams where we will build debt free our world class television studio. Woo! Praise God to preach the gospel all over the world. Amen. That's why God's going to make some of you so spectacularly wealthy so that you can pour it into the kingdom. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Now, if you're mailing in your tithe, and also if you have your special offering ready, okay, you can send it to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina, the zip code 28654. Now, don't rush on your Feast of Tabernacles offering. Wait till you've gathered it. Wait till you've collected it. And then when you've got that amount that the Lord put on your heart, then you can bring it in. Okay, now if you prefer to bring in your tithes, uh, your offering you can, online, you can do so. I want to ask you to go to the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org, and go to the, to the top. There's a header that says Give Online. Click that, and then just follow the instructions. There's the area for the tithe, and uh, you can give your special offering when you have that prepared. Amen. It's all there, easy to access, safe, and secure. Now, lift your hands. Father, I pray for your people that as they are faithful over what they have right now, I pray that you make them so shrewd, so shrewd, just like Mr. Rockefeller was. He was criticized, but he lifted, he lifted countless people into a better standard of living. Father, make your people shrewd, wise as serpents, innocent as doves, let them always do all things legally and by the book. And most importantly, let them always do all things ethically and biblically. Bless your people with great increase. I thank you that they are positioned now for the overflow in Jesus name. Amen. Praise God. One more note before I move on. Have you, uh, we don't really, uh, encounter it today, but going back 
to the time of Mr. John D. Rockefeller, we still had the scourge in America, particularly in the southern states, of hookworm where, uh, uh, you know, people would get the parasite and they would have, you know, hookworms and the whole yucky mess that goes along with that. And it was Mr. Rockefeller who used his wealth, his own personal money to conduct health seminars, all particularly through the Southern states. Why? Because Southern people liked going barefoot. Pastor Stephen, I just love that feel of dirt in between my toes while I walk barefoot to church. Well, <laughs> He began having seminars conducted of the importance of wearing shoes. Because if you step on animal dung, even if you don't even see the residue of that, that can cause tiny little parasites to go through your skin and to develop into worms inside of your body. Then you end up with hookworms. Now you've got a real problem. So he, he wiped that off of the American society with his own money. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> Woo. What's God going to do through you? Mm -mm -mm. Praise the Lord. All right. Now, let's take our Bibles today. And um, let's go over the 1 Samuel chapter 10. 1 Samuel chapter 10. I want to talk about maintaining order in the midst of chaos <laughs> this is going to help you. It's got, a, it's got a prophetic spin. Hang with me. It's going to help you in the natural, but more importantly, it's going to help you on the higher plane, the plane that overwhelms all of the others, the spiritual plane. Let's pray. Father, as we go into your word, we ask that your Holy Spirit would come now illuminating the eyes of our understanding. Help us to see it spiritually. Help us to get it from our head to our heart and help us to walk in these truths so we can really have the highest levels of order in our lives. Now, Father, we thank you for this. In Jesus' name, we pray. If you love order, say amen. Woo, praise God. What is order? Order is the accurate arrangement of things. It's everything in its place right where it's supposed to be. And it, it is a true story. We were once told that maybe it wasn't true, but it has now been verified. It's a true story that one of the reasons that contributed to the sinking of the Titanic was because the second officer, Mr. David Blair, took the key with him that locked up the little room where the binoculars were kept. So when the guy goes to the crow's nest for the night watch to watch out for icebergs, which were certainly out there, uh, you can't get the binoculars because somebody's taking the key. Now, who took the key? <laughs> what happens? Uh, things were out of order. And whenever there's a disaster, whether it's in shipping, whether it's in aviation, it's usually never one thing. It's a compilation of things that were all done wrong. And if they keep the dominoes keep falling and you get one more wrong one, then, then something goes terribly wrong. So yes, the captain of the ship was uh, going way too fast through a field loaded with icebergs, but at least they would have had the binoculars, at least they could have seen, it would have helped, okay? So here's the thing, what you have to do is, is like get stuff in order to the point where you say, okay, this key must never be lost, this key goes right here, woo, praise the Lord. You know, in big cities, and even in, even in our county, 
um, if you have a commercial building and you uh, and you have uh, especially a fire hydrant on your property, maybe your property's fenced or, you know, you have big fire panels on the inside of your commercial building, then the fire department has to have their own key that you give them to your building or to your property so they can get in anytime, day or night, to that fire hydrant or get inside of your building and uh, go in there to the valves and start shutting things off. And I've had the um, fire chief show me before the big key ring that holds all of the keys. And you're thinking, these are all the keys to all of the commercial buildings in the whole city. <laughs> it's pretty cool. By the way, if you ever lose, if you're a fireman and you ever lose that keychain, that's your job. <laughs> and could be, uh, could be something worse than that. But the reason that things are misplaced, sometimes lost, or is because of a breakdown somewhere along the line in order. Again, order is the, the accurate arrangement of things. Now, that would be a natural definition of order. Let's try to go a little bit higher today. Actually, this will go actually way higher. Let's go with a spiritual definition of order. It's things arranged in a way that honors and pleases God. Mm. Well, Pastor Stephen, that sure sounds different. Well, it is. And sometimes the natural and the spiritual are both running on parallel tracks, just like a train. But sometimes the spiritual uh, needs to go first when everything screams, oh, no, we need to, we need to put it last in order. Wow. Well, let's talk about it today a little bit. First of all, uh, we have received the tithes today, but you must understand that the tithe to be in proper order is, is going to the Lord first. In other words, you don't pay the phone bill, then pay the water bill, then pay the electric bill, then pay this bill, then pay that bill. And then if there is enough left over, then we finally tithe. No, the tithe must go First, I mean, look, look, I'm helping some of you already get your life in order. When you receive payment, when money comes into you, take the tithe out now so that you don't make a mistake and spend it. The tithe is the Lord's and it sanctifies the other 90%. Woo! Let that soak in into your spiritual marrow of your bones. Woo! Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So give God his tithe, not last. Not way down the line, give it to the Lord up front. Thank you, Jesus. Now, you'll notice that anytime there's movement towards order, then the first fruit of that or the first uh, product of that that makes, you, that makes you happy is peace. Peace begins to come into your life the moment you begin to put things in order. It really doesn't matter if you organized your sock drawer or if you went for the big one, maybe, and begin to tackle your garage. You know the joke about Americans. We're the, we're the Americans. We have a two-car garage, but we never park our cars in it because our garages are full of stuff. <laughs> and sometimes the stuff can get a little bit chaotic. So the, so the situation, the remedy to that is to go in there and begin to put it in order. Maybe get some shelving. Maybe get some hooks praise God, and put that in its proper order. Now, you want to do that in the natural. Put things in order. You know, uh, wash the car, clean the car, uh, oversee all that you have, get order established in your life. But also, be mindful of this, is we're going we're gonna to major on the spiritual today. 
Understand that sin brings disorder into your life. The deeper you go into sin, the more confusion and chaos there is. Now we live in a chaotic world, but we're like the fish swimming in the ocean, the fish in the salt water. We're in it, but it's not in us. It's not penetrating within us. Praise God. But you do need to understand that sin can bring disorder into your life. We know that technically sin can be called missing the mark. That's true from the Hebrew and the Greek. But sin also uh, brings disorder. And sin does not honor God. And disorder is not something that God authors. Praise the Lord. Now, I want to share that there can be times when the devil can try to tempt you through pressure-type situations that would even try to sway you to override divine order, and you know it's wrong. But because of pressure, maybe you do it. Maybe you cross the line. Literally. One time, I was driving down uh, the carpool lane on, let's see, what that was, uh, it was Expressway Highway 5 in Southern California, driving down uh, the carpool lane, and um, I was talking with a minister friend of mine, and he's, he's, his best friend is one of the world's most renowned evangelists, okay? So he and I are driving, I are in the car. I'm actually driving, he's in the front passenger seat, and we're on the way to a meeting. And so we're just talking, we're in the carpool lane, and um, uh, for whatever reason, I guess we're so engaged in our conversation that we didn't, I didn't realize that we needed to get out and start getting over to the right to catch an exit. And so as we're in the carpool lane driving, we suddenly realize, oh, we need to catch the exit. And he says, Stephen, cut over. And I said, I, I can't. He said, cut over. I said, I can't, I'm in the carpool lane. He said, cross it, who cares? I, I said, I, I can't. He said, do it. And I didn't do it. And now we're, now we're stuck on it for like another two miles. No big deal. We got off on the next exit and got off. He said, but as we kept going on after we realized we, we couldn't make it, he said, I can't believe you didn't do that. I said, but I can't. I said, I said first of all, it's illegal. Second of all, why is it that if others do it, nothing happens to them. But why is it if I do it and you're pressuring me to do it, why is it that suddenly there go the police lights, there goes the highway patrolman right behind me pulling me over? That's how it works for me. <laughs> See, when you want to live right, that's how it works. Uh, you'll be the one that gets it if you cross the line. Well, how come the others don't get it if they cross the line? God works with them differently because they're not too interested in pleasing the Lord in the highest ways. Some of you, bless your hearts, you really need to make up your mind whether you want to be a saint or an ain't. Whoa! Glory to God. Hallelujah. <laughs> you can't go halfway and be a saint. You can't go halfway, be a saint, and cuss somebody out. No, be a saint. Hallelujah. Make a dedication that you're going to come into the fullness of what God has you to be in Christ. And so we're, he goes, he said, Stephen, I can't believe you didn't do it. I said, well, I can't. It's not right. He goes, well, I'll tell you one thing. He said, my friend would have done it. And he named the famous minister. He said, my friend would have done it in a moment. And maybe that's why his friend crossed some other lines later in life that were far more impactful than jumping out of a express lane. Mm -hmm. I won't go any further with that. 
Mm, mm, mm. Watch out. Watch out. That the enemy tries to work through pressure to do what? To get you out of order. And to get you into something that violated God's order, maybe even violated, uh, how can I say, man's order, such as the law. You know, when uh, the highway uh, department of transportation puts up a speed, a speed sign that says speed limit 65, they're not trying to do that to ruin somebody's fun. It's not like they think, we don't want people to go 80 because if you go 80, it's real fun. We want to ruin their fun. No, they do that based upon a scientific, scientific formula of, uh, based upon various factors, but also based upon how fast the human reaction time is to get your foot on that brake pedal and stop and slow down for a curve or for something else. And all of those things are factored in and thus you have a speed limit sign. So it's there for your safety. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. We need to obey the law. Yes, Pastor Stephen, we should follow the Torah. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. But you also have to follow the Holy Spirit because He lives in you all the time. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Now, 1 Samuel chapter 10. Let's drop down to verse 8. Let me get grab a drink of some hot tea real quick. Now, here are some instructions. Top secret file that Samuel the prophet hands to Saul. And says, here's the top secret file. This is what God told me we're supposed to do. And look at it. Look here. Here it is. He opens up the file and says, here's the plan. Verse 8. He's talking to Saul. You shall go down before me to Gilgal. Saul's like, okay, okay, I, I can do that. And surely I will come down to you to offer burnt offerings and make sacrifices of peace offerings. Okay, okay. Sounds good. I've got that. What else? Seven days you shall wait till I come to you and show you what you should do. Oh, okay. Saul, uh, uh, Saul is like, I've got it. And he tells Samuel, okay, three instructions. Okay. I can do that. That's easy. Now just wait. Okay. Uh, you're going to come, you're going to do the burnt offering and, uh, uh, you'll be there in seven days. I'm supposed to wait. That doesn't sound too complicated. That doesn't sound hard. Okay. I'll see you when you show up. What could be so hard about that? Are you ready for this? His whole kingdom, not some of it, all of it, his whole kingdom is riding on the outcome of this little event. Woo! Oh, Pastor Steve, I'll cross the line. God, God, God will forgive me. God understands. Yeah, he understands that you compromised. <laughs> and the devil does too. And even if you get to the top, now he's got you because you compromised along the way. And you'll never be able to enjoy it. It won't even have any meaning to you. Mm. Mm. I, uh, I watched the testimony. This was years back of, a, of an athlete crossed the finish line, won the world championship in one of these sprinting events. And, you know, you would think an athlete would be ecstatic. This is what they trained all of their life for. The person crossed the line, kind of smiled, and uh, just, you know, walked away, received the medal. And then later after they were exposed for uh, doping violations, heavy drug usage. Later, they said in an interview, you know what? When I crossed that finish line, I couldn't even enjoy it. I was such a cheater. I was so full of anabolic steroids. It just you know, ruined my life. It destroyed my, you know, I, I let it destroy my character. I made bad decisions. Mm. The person got their life out of order. That's what sin will do. So God wants you to have order in your life. 
Yes, yes, I love your message, Pastor Stephen, and I need to go work on my sock drawer. Wow. And you should put your socks in order. Amen. If, it's go, if it goes on the right foot, you don't want to put it on your left. It won't quite fit as good. Praise God. But these other areas, whoo, are much heavy weighted, and you need to put the emphasis there. So what is about to go down in seven days is going to determine the making or the breaking of Saul's kingship. And it's simple. Just hang out and wait. Okay. But now watch how the devil is going to come. And he's going to put tremendous pressure into this situation to do what? To try to steal Saul's inheritance. To try to steal the gift that God gave to him. And he'll offer you uh, options also. Oh, and he'll give you every excuse under the sun of why uh, it could be validated for we understand why you did that. But if it's wrong, it's still wrong. And we need to be uh, braced and ready for these types of things. Can you say yes? Mm -mm. Now, 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 5. Then the Philistines gathered together to fight with Israel, 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen and people as the sand which is on the seashore in multitude. Well, this is not good. Saul is now facing an epic battle and nobody in his group really has any armory, no weapons or anything like that. And the Philistines are loaded to the hilt. I mean, they've got what we would call modern day tanks. They have chariots with, uh, you know, metal armor and they've got all of their weapons and they've got a whole lot more people than the Israelites do. When the men of Israel saw that they were in danger for the people were distressed or there was chaos everywhere. Well, Pastor Stephen, what are we supposed to do? There's pandemonium. There's chaos. You're supposed to stay in order. Now, I'm going to tell you how in just a moment. But you're supposed to maintain the order in the midst of chaos, in the midst of distressing situations. Mm -mm. The only reason you should ever be at the top of the building in the midst of a stock market or financial meltdown, the only reason you should ever be up there is to keep others from jumping and say, don't jump, don't end your life. Come off that ledge. I'm here to talk to you and tell you about something worth more than all your gold that you've lost, worth more than all your crypto that you lost, worth more than whatever you had that you lost. Come over here. Your life can begin anew. Praise God. But you have to be composed to be able to do that when others are wanting to jump. Or as in Saul's case, when others are wanting to run. For the people were distressed. Why? The Philistines are not showing up for a prayer party. What do you think they're all here for? Uh, they're here to kill you. You and your wife and all your little kids, they're here to all poke you with swords and run you through in the most agonizing way. <laughs> so the people were distressed. Then the people hid in caves, in thickets, in rocks, in holes, and in pits. And some of the Hebrews crossed over the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. As for Saul, he was still in, Gil in Gilgal. Okay, so far so good. You're holding together, uh, but he's very, very unstabilized. But at least he's still there. As for Saul, he was still in Gil Gilgal, and all the people followed him trembling. Then he waited seven days, according to the time set by Samuel. Okay, we, we read the top secret report. 
what God told Samuel to do. Samuel informed Saul, here's the game plan. I'm going to be showing up and don't do anything till I get there. I'm going to do the sacrifice. But people are bailing out on him. Then he waited seven days according to the time set by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal. And the people were scattered from him. Well, Pastor Stephen, what is he supposed to do? Can't you understand and have some compassion on him? Yes, but still, you better hold to the line. Remember, Satan is trying to steal from you. He is trying to destroy the destiny and the beautiful thing that God wants to do for Saul. And Saul doesn't really realize how much is riding on this. But either way, you better have a heart to keep divine order. Now, we're going way beyond socks right now. We're going way beyond, the, uh, you know, cleaning the garage. You've got to keep your life in order. What you do, although you may not think so, what you do could affect multitudes. Not just you. Not just your family and maybe your cat or your dog. But it could, could affect uh, your descendants on down. It could affect, uh, if you have a business, it could affect your employees. Be careful. Keep your life in order. They don't teach you this in Harvard. You go to Harvard Business School. They never tell you in business school, don't commit adultery. If you're a CEO, don't get hung up in adultery. You could ruin your whole career. How come they don't teach you that? It's spiritual. But they should. They should. Praise the Lord. Sure is quiet on the Internet world today. Mm -mm. Let's continue on. Then he waited seven days according to the time set by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. So Saul said, bring a burnt offering and peace offerings here to me. He just crashed. He just caved in. He just threw the towel in. He just gave up. And he offered the burnt offering. Now it happened. As soon, as soon as he had finished, finished presenting the burnt offering. Look. If you want to be God's man, if you want to be God's woman, you want God to work through you, you want God to lift you up, God will work with you. And he takes you under his wing and he'll treat you as a son. He'll treat you as a daughter, but he will also mentor you. The Holy Spirit will train you and you're, you're a disciple. A disciple means one who is under discipline. There's a lot of believers. They just want to go to heaven. Okay, that's good. Call upon the name of the Lord. You shall be saved. Keep your faith in Jesus. You'll gain heaven. But if you want to reach the full potential of what God has put into you, you must become a disciple. And he works differently with you than he does with others who don't have really inter any interest in this type of a walk with God. They just want to go to heaven. They have no interest into the, in any of this. But if you do, God will work with you on a completely different level. That's why they, they can jump off of carpool lane. Nothing happens to them. They could run the red light. They could blah, 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 all this. But if you really want to fulfill all of your destiny, you're going to have to get your life and keep it on this divine order. Woo! Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. As soon as he had finished presenting the burnt offering, that Samuel came and Saul went out to meet him that he might greet him. Now, 
Is this a temptation by Satan because of the pressure? See, what Satan does is offer circumstances to fake you out. He is a master illusionist. I've said it for many years that if he ever showed up in Las Vegas, he could have his own show and uh, he could pack the place out. He is one of the greatest magicians, smoke screen blowers, uh, fake illusionist that there is. He can create circumstances that would present like it's all over when it's it's not. And I'm not saying that Saul's not facing a real hot, hot situation. But even still, this was a test that God allowed. God's not tempting Saul, but God is allowing the enemy to bring this pressure. And God's watching to see what his man is going to do. And he gave in. He gave in. Praise the Lord. And Samuel said, what have you done? Saul said, when I saw that the people were scattered from me, you're going to have to get over what people think about you. Now, there is a place we want to honor people and love people, but there's a place when you're living for the Lord and living right, and you're doing the right thing, and you're being persecuted or maybe ridiculed for that, you're going to have to get over that stuff and just keep on going with the Lord. When I saw that the people were scattered from me, and that you did not come within the days appointed. Well, he came, but just not at that exact, uh, you know, perhaps, moment that uh, Saul thought. But he did come on that day. He did. Praise the Lord. You did not come within the days appointed. And that the Philistines were gathered together at Michmash. Then I said, the Philistines will now come down on me at Gilgal. And I have not made supplication to the Lord. Therefore, I felt compelled and offered a burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have done foolishly. Verse 14, but now your kingdom shall not continue. It's over, in a sense, before it even really starts. Now, he keeps on going. God allows Saul to keep on going. Why? He's got to prepare now the next person, and that's David. And he's already been working some with David, but David is about the major going to the school of the Spirit and get the, king, the, the, the training for kingship, for royalty, the training for reigning. There's always training for reigning. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. My friends, you can maintain order in chaos. You have to be willing to come to a point that if you were Saul, you've got to come to a point where you say, look, I'm not offering that offering. I am not appointed by God to do that. That's for the priest and Samuel has that grace from God to be able to do that. But I'm not allowed to do that. Kings cannot do that. So I'm not going to do it. What about the Philistines? You know what? If they attack us, we're going to fight the best we can. Only a couple of us have, have a sword. The rest of you just punch and fight. Do, it, do whatever it takes. But we're not giving up this offering. We're not going to do it. We're not going to do it. Well, we're going to leave. Well, then leave. Go ahead and leave. If I have to stand here by myself, I'm going to do the right thing. And if he had done that, God would have established his kingdom and perpetually would have gone on as a living legacy. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Now, with God, God is the God of second chances. But with Saul in this situation, this was critical. He did not have another opportunity. He lost it right then. And you know what? Samuel was no stranger to this. When Samuel uh, was, you know, in a sense, leading the nation, he had to take over. He, uh, suddenly, he's, he's now like in the place of a judge, and he, now he's acting like a general, and now the Philistines have showed up, and he came under that same pressure. 
and the Philistines were getting closer and closer. And what does Samuel do? He just takes his time, does not rush, but he does the offering, the burnt offering very, very carefully so that it's an honor to God, not something rushed through that has no meaning. That's actually an insult to God. Well, we have to hurry. No. What if they jump us? And what if they, if they kill us, they kill us, but we're going to do this the right way. And you have to be like that. Praise the Lord. You know, there was, uh, let me see if I can use some code words so that uh, we don't necessarily have uh, media censoring taking place here. Uh, there was some, uh, a time a few years ago when this thing, this pandemonium, you know what it was, swept around the world. And you had to take the you know what in order to better engage in society. My wife and I said, we're not taking the juice. Okay, we're not getting all of that stuff pumped into us, and we didn't do it. Well, Pastor Stephen, if you don't do it, you can't travel internationally. And you're right, we couldn't. And all kinds of meetings we had were canceled. I was supposed to go to the Vatican, not the sightsee. I was supposed to go to the Vatican in ministry. It was already set up. Everything was there. But Pastor Stephen, if you don't take the, you know what, you can't go. I didn't take it. I didn't take it. I didn't go. It's up to the Lord. It's in the Lord's hands. It's like Saul. Look, if the Philistines shoot you and kill you, it is what it is, but you die in obedience. Like the uh, three Hebrew children. Look, King, you know, we know you have the power to throw us in and it could be that maybe God will deliver us. And if so, that's great. But if not, no, we're not bowing down. It's not going to happen. We respect you and honor you as the King. We're, we like you, but, uh, uh, no, we're not going to do this. <laughs> we're not, we're not going to do this. We're not getting our lives spiritually out of order just to make you happy. Mm -hmm. Praise God. My friends, let me say that a prayerless life is a life out of order. And I'm reminded right now of the story of a very good pastor one time that it was Saturday you know, Saturday morning, he went to the church to spend all day with the Lord to get the message to deliver on Sunday. But when he got to the church, there was a note and the uh, lawn person had left a note saying, I will not be able to come today to do the lawn. Well, it had rained a lot that week and the, uh, the, all the rain really uh, just caused all the grass to grow and the grass seemed like it had grown out of control in almost a week and the, the whole church lawn didn't look good and the, you know, the, the church had this big green uh, lawn that everybody could see and the pastor took such joy in having uh, that lawn always manicured and landscaped. That way when people came to church, they saw that lawn and he drove up that morning and the pastor saw that note and he said, oh, well, that's not right. The grass looks terrible. And so instead of spending the day in prayer and Bible study, he spent, you know, like over half the day bowing all the grass, weed eating everything, and he about wore himself out. And then uh, by the time you know it, he's so fatigued, he can't even, can't even study. So the next morning he goes to minister and he's an empty tank. He has nothing to pour out. And he said he escaped it. Nothing really popped up. You know, he could kind of like... Uh, you know, and preachers can get kind of good at that where you're just talking, but you're talking maybe out of your head. But if something ever happens where chaos maybe suddenly breaks out or the Philistines suddenly show up, your goose could get cooked real quick. Mm -mm. You know, um, well, I could tell you a story, but it might, 
it, uh, there's a lot of people that watch, but I am thinking of a story of a person that was a little bit rough to me one time, <laughs> a little rough. <laughs> they were, and, uh, uh, the person, yeah, well, they were a little bit rough to me in the community. And, uh, but then something happened in the community where chaos struck suddenly, suddenly. And this person who was a leader over hundreds, this person didn't know what to do and ran out like totally shook by it. And this person happened to run out right when my wife was there. And the person was like going bananas, didn't know what to do. And this, this was the leader. And so my wife says, calm down, calm down. This is what you need to do. Go back in there and tell them to do this, tell, tell the, this, 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 and broke that spirit of fear off of that person. Probably, probably saved that person's job, much less their, their reputation. Wow. Wow. It's all, it's all okay. Right. Until the Philistines show up or until, you know, Samuel doesn't show up on time and now, now there's pressure. Watch out. The enemy will try to trap you in this. And there could be times when God allows the test to take place and he'll stand back and watch what you do. Lift your hands. Father, I pray for those that are watching today that they'll choose prayer over, which is spiritual order over perhaps getting the lawn done, perhaps as we would say, putting the lawn in order. I pray father that your people choose spiritual order, even over natural order from the perspective that they'll choose prayer and obedience to you over maybe making sure that the car is washed and looking nice. I, I pray father that they get the order, right? I pray that they get honor, right? That they'll tithe first, not last that their life will have such spiritual order in it that they shine as an illuminary, as a star twinkling on a dark night. Praise you, Jesus. Father, I thank you that your spirit is moving right now. Help them to make those adjustments in those areas that they need to flip because the order is, it needs to be reversed. Now, Father, we thank you for this. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, whoo, we pray, amen. If you're watching today and you don't know Jesus, your life is not in order. You may have a beautiful home. It may look perfect. Your nails may be done if you're a lady. If you're a guy, you may be groomed to a T and look perfect all the time. But if you don't know Jesus, your life begins by begins to be put in divine order by receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you don't know Jesus or if you once knew him and you've fallen away, come back right now together. Let's say this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, establish your order in my life. Come into my heart. Wash all of my sins away. Jesus, I give my life to you. Write my name in your book of life and help me to put you first. Help me to order my life where I put you first. Thank you. Oh God. Thank you. In Jesus name. I pray. Amen. And amen. Welcome to the family of God. God is working in a very beautiful way in your life. Praise the Lord. My friends, let's honor the Lord Jesus. Let's proclaim his death until he comes by receiving now Holy Communion. I want you to grab some grape juice, grab a cracker, a little wafer, whatever you have available, 
And let's take communion together. If you are a believer in Christ, you can take Holy Communion. Father, we thank you for the bread and the juice. We bless it. And through this prayer, we set it apart as being holy. And we thank you that this is now the body and the blood of Jesus. Father, as we receive the Lord's flesh, help us to be mindful. Is this the proper order? Father, help us to be mindful, to understand that sin is always disorder and that we can never justify it or excuse it. Father, I thank you that your people, whenever there's temptation, let them see the way of escape and let them always take it. I thank you, Father God, they'll see the door, highlight it. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Let's receive the Lord's body, his flesh. Father, thank you for your cleansing, for the cleansing blood of Jesus, washing away all sin, guilt, and shame. Father, there's many things that we don't know because in many cases we were never taught. So I pray that mercy be upon your people. I pray you show mercy to your people. And if they've missed it, help them to get it right so that it doesn't happen Again, Father, we thank you that we're not living under the Old Testament where the law at times could be so, so um, uh, unbending. But Father, we do thank you for grace. We do thank you for mercy and help your people to order their life in a way that's pleasing to you naturally. Yes, but spiritually. Yes, more importantly, Father, now we give you all of the praise. We thank you for continual order and peace even in the midst of a very chaotic world, in Jesus' name, we all say amen. Let's receive now the Lord's precious blood. Praise God. Thank you for joining me today. And I'm praying for you concerning your special offering for the Feast of Tabernacles. Again, that's October 1st, 2023. If you have not yet done so, please pray what the Lord would have you to do. I want to encourage you to sow your best seed. It may even be sacrificial. Sometimes God calls people to do something very sacrificial. Do exactly as the Holy Spirit leads you to do. And thank you for helping us to get the remaining balance paid off on the field of dreams. Thank you for standing with this ministry and with this vision to take the gospel around the world through the medium of social media and primarily through the very a vital tool of global television. Praise God. Now go and organize things as the Holy Spirit leads you. He'll speak to your mind. He'll show you what to do. Make your life beautiful. Put it in order and enjoy the ensuing peace. God bless you. See you back again real soon.